0: To the Radical Gentleness Podcast. Whether you're joining me here today from your home, your car, or a walk around the block, I'm so glad you're here with me. My name's Brooke, and I'm the creator and your host. On this podcast, I'm not interested in mastering anything, I'm interested in honest conversations with ourselves and with others. Radical gentleness is an ideology I created that encourages turning towards heartbreak, pain, and transition, and understands that difficult emotions are here to help us alchemize our experience. My only goal here is that this podcast honors you exactly where you are on your path right now. Welcome. I'm so excited to share today's episode with you all. On it, I have a very special guest for the My Friends Are Experts segment, and we explore lots of juicy topics. I include link in the links in the show notes, so be sure to check them out if you want to reference anything we speak about. And without further ado, let me introduce my guest. Delta Evergreen Lichens, or Dell as they often go by, is a white contemplative educator, public speaker, non-binary trans goofball, dancing queen, first generation recovering alcoholic, lover of a good bike ride, and a ferocious friend. Dell devotes their life to the principles of collective liberation through love. They have unshakable confidence in the human capacity to heal the dehumanizing wounds of white supremacy, which have left none of us unscathed. Dell teaches mindfulness in workplaces and schools through their consultancy, Begin Within, hosts their own podcast, Queering Mindfulness, and hopes you find your birthright of of both heartbreak... Dell teaches mindfulness in workplaces and schools through their consultancy, Begin Within, hosts their own podcast, Queering Mindfulness, and hopes you find your birthrights of both heartbreak and tremendous joy each day. Welcome, Delta Evergreen
1: Lichens. Brooke, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is, this is truly the best. Oh my gosh.
0: So welcome to my closet. Thank you. Because as my listeners now know, mm-hmm. I record in my closet.
1: Yeah, we're yeah. we're in here. I was admiring your sequins dress earlier. Thank you. Yeah, you have great taste. Thank you. No surprise. Mm.
0: Fabulous. Mm-hmm. So, we have a topic outlined, mm-hmm. and we're gonna riff mm-hmm. because that's what we do best, I think, together.
1: Heck yeah, heck yeah. I was thinking earlier about uh, telling your listeners a little bit about our friendship and like where we where we came from a little bit. Let's do Um, it. So I remember, I can't, I think it was my, it was beginning of my senior year that we met, if memory serves. You would just, you were a freshman, right? 2013? Yeah, yeah, that's right. This is college. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, at Naropa. And you were quickly getting involved with student government, and I could just see (laughs) this, like, bright, shining light of you finding your way. And like we were talking about earlier today, just, like, really reaching fully into the opportunities that you have in, in your life to connect and like engage and just admiring that so much. And I remember (laughs) there was like one particular awkward talk we had on the green one day where I was like, do you remember when I was kvetching about, like, how I wanted to be the speaker for our class? Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Are you kidding? <laughs> this is how I... I've had friends when I was coming to visit you who were asking, like, oh, who, who are you staying with? And I was like, Brooke Lorimer, obviously. <laughs> I'm like, who is this person? I don't know about them. I was like, uh, Brooke is amazing. <laughs> at, at one point, I considered you my protege at Naropa because I just, like, saw you... You know, we were both pretty engaged in student leadership. And I yes. was, like, mentoring you a little bit. Yeah. And, like, I tell the story about, um, receiving that award that day and you getting up there and reading it and what a huge honor it was to be spoken to in front of that enormous crowd by someone who I felt really saw me and what I was going through. And like, you were just such a fucking champion of me. And so I laugh now that I called you my protege back then, because as I've gotten to see you in your life, you've just stepped up so much. Mm continue to step into and towards. And this podcast is one of the many iterations of your wonderfulness. And I'm really yeah delighted to be here with you.
0: Wow. Thank you so much. I promise that I don't just have guests on to give me compliments, <laughs> but that was, that was really beautiful. Thank you. Oh, of course. Um, so Delta won the, Student Achievement
1: Award, the most engaged student award. Yes, the 2014 class That's at
0: Naropa University, where mm-hmm. we went to college, mm-hmm. and I presented them with Ooh, the award. The presenter, and actually, it's funny you brought that up because I had to do a presentation at work on Friday. Oh yeah, and I was just shitting my pants about it, so mm-hmm. nervous. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when was the last time I ate public spoke? And it was that presentation, and Whoa. I thought I was going to die before it, and I almost backed out, and I was
1: like, I can't back out, I can't back oh out. Oh my god, I would have been so disappointed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that that also worked out for you. Mm, such a happy memory. Ugh. You were the perfect person mm. for that moment.
0: I remember, I just remember like, embracing you on that stage, Oh my god, too. I was
1: crying so hard. Yeah. Was... You were wearing a green dress, I think. Yeah, I looked banging in that dress. Fuck yeah, you did. All right,
0: we've covered wardrobe, we've covered friendship, (laughs) let's keep going. Let's keep going. So I wanted to bring you on today um, for the My Friends Are Experts segment because I bring on people who, as I've told in this podcast before, like, are the people that I turn to not just when my life is super joyful, Mm -hmm. but who I feel seen by in the whole spectrum of my being human. Right. And you are 100% one of those people Mm -hmm. and it's such a joy to share friendship with you just as a side gush. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But I also think you're fucking brilliant and I Mm -hmm. want the world to hear more of what you have to say and I know you're on that journey already of the world hearing what you have to say and so it's such a gift to get to have you on this podcast and share this forum with you. Thank you. And Delta is an incredible mindfulness educator. And that's, uh, you know, one piece of where I wanted to start us off today. Mm -hmm. Talking about mindfulness, but going beyond the buzzword of a term Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and going deeper into what it actually means to live a life engaged with mindfulness. Right. Because I think you're kind of a fucking rock star at that. Mm.
1: Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Is there something in particular you've noticed?
0: Yeah, actually, so what's coming to mind for me, the strange dichotomy of what I think mindfulness is versus what it actually is, which Mm. is like, I have this idea that mindfulness is this kind of stoic person who sits in quiet solitude and doesn't have any needs. And like Mm. this, who is that person? We don't know them. I don't know who they are (laughs) versus you are this like bubbling, vivacious, joyful being Mm. who also, um, is skillful. Mindfulness to me means skillfulness in a lot of ways. Mm. I think you're skillful with your actions and your communication and your intent. Mm. And also sk- skillful that when those things don't line up and like owning that, mm-hmm. which I think is like the most badass thing a human can do. Oh,
1: yeah, that's so important.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to jam on that with you today. Cool. Yeah.
1: Cool. Oh, thank you for that so much. Um it is a joy to be seen by you in this life. Mm. And I feel like you and I share so much of that path of, um, figuring out how to live in integrity in a society that doesn't a teach us that and that like largely discourages it. Yeah. Right. Like, um, communicating needs earlier we were talking about needs and capitalism and or that might have been with a different friend oops um it's no been, we were also talking we were, about that we were talking too. about that too it yeah. comes up a lot um yeah. <laughs> and how hard it is to be uh authentic while finding our way through these systems and what does it mean to be authentic in a system that like asks us to compartmentalize mm-hmm. and to turn away
0: mm-hmm. right from
1: difficult things like boy I don't know about you, but I learned how to turn away from stuff like a pro. That was one of my first skills, was like basically dissociate and like yeah. ignore distract. Yeah. We live in a society of endless distractions and yeah. our technological progress continues to make that more and more attuned to continue to distract us more mm. and more effectively. Mm. Apps are constantly innovating to get us to keep our attention longer and you know to to be able to exploit that in more and more monetizing ways. Uh and I think we have to really reckon with that as especially since you and I both work in technology, um, that, that is part of the reality of what we're working with. And, you know, in my, in my more worried moments, I think about, um, what is it that we're teaching our children? What are the, what are the cultures and the, personal beliefs that we are passing on in Mm -hmm. this era of technology and just feeling this precedent more and more of as much as we have machine advancements in our technological society, we have to continue to keep up the pace of encouraging and fostering, humanizing each other. Yeah. The the capacity to feel, to empathize, Mm. to even, you know, yes, empathy is another one of those buzzwords I think that gets used. I mean, don't get me wrong. Empathy. If you don't have empathy, start there, but like, it's, it's, uh, it's easy for empathy to be turned into this thing where mm. like to empathize means that you are like justice oriented or that you're radical or that you're on the right path of it. Mm. And you know, that a white person can empathize with the experience of a person of color. And mm. it's like, uh, they only to a degree, you know, can mm-hmm. I, can I open myself to an experience that I don't have? Mm-hmm. And I think more important than trying to have ownership of someone else's experience in that form of empathy is presence with them mm-hmm. actioned solidarity, you know, mm-hmm. um, and being willing to sit in the space of, I don't know what this means, but I feel that there is something off here and I'm going to sit in that space and f- listen, you know, listen to my inner voice, listen to the voices of those around me, have the patience to, to, f- yeah, feel, and discern and all of the skills of mindfulness that facilitate that going in of like, whoa, something feels off here. I'm aware of it first enough to pause and to recognize something's off, to mm-hmm. have that pause moment of going within and being able to use that contemplative education in our real lives, in our relationships, in our workplaces um, to ask what is really called for here? What is in service to the greatest good? Mm-hmm. What, what is right?
0: I think so much of what you just said, it's uh, really hits at that tone of applied mindfulness of both the noticing when something is off. Mm-hmm. The first step is the pause, right? The notice.
1: Right. And well, then... the first step is the feeling, right? Right. Being like aware enough to notice that I'm having a feeling, right? Then you take the action of pause, right? To go inward to, con- to contemplate. But the awareness of feeling is something that takes practice to learn in our society Mm -hmm. and there's a hundred million reasons in like white supremacy you know western western civilization imperialism call it what you will that we have been taught to turn away from our feelings
0: yeah yeah
1: and that you know of course i come at it with like a justice lens because that's really important to do but i this is you know even before we start talking about how do we action solidarity? What does it mean to be an accomplice or an ally? This all starts with ourselves and our relationship with ourselves. Because if we like your intentions with radical gentleness, as I understand them, Mm self-acceptance, it's the whole, like, it's just been so uh, transformative for me to have, to like learn about my shit, to really continue, uh, to figure out where, like, where my personal hiccups are, where my blind spots are, to, like, cultivate that willingness to be humble that you mentioned and, and to make up for when I, to acknowledge when I fuck up, to look for yeah. the earliest opportunity to make amends because none of us are perfect. Like, wokeness is an illusion. We do mm. not arrive. We do not arrive Oof. in any of this shit. And, you know, I speak that as someone who has been a a white person who really wants to arrive mm-hmm. in... in clarity about what it means to be you know white and uh in racial solidarity racial justice work there is no arrival there is only the practice there is only uh moments of presence moments of fucking up moments of repairing moments of nurturing authentic relationship and trying to get out of some of these big labels that we get caught in because those are there's some fuckery there too
0: yeah Yeah, I mean, it just feels like it's so... The way of being in the world that that you inherently practice and are interested in, uh, which I deeply value. Obviously, it's a huge part of why I'm your friend. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels like it's all born out of mindfulness. But like we were saying, that term applied mindfulness of like being with yourself enough Mm -hmm. to then be
1: able to genuinely be with others. Oh my God, yes. Yes, yes. You and I did some... uh catch up over coffee this morning, just, you know, life decompression things. And you and I shared about how incredibly, I love that you word, you use the word alchemizing it is to be deeply seen by someone. And that is like, the older I get, the more uh, just naturally drawn I am by that. Often I think of the Mary Oliver quote, uh, let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And when I feel, when I have the capacity to feel my big yeses in this world, uh, it just clears away so much of the bullshit and like leads me towards integrity and, uh, being able to know myself and share that with another person to like reflect each other in the process. Again, there's no arrival, but the, Mm. the, the, the applied mindfulness, I like that you said that around living my life experiencing my feelings, having the capacity to know what's going on for me. And then the skills and the practice and the community that have taught me how to share that and how to reciprocate that so that Mm -hmm. I can be in these connections, relationships that are, uh, really like they can speak to the depths of me. I posted a photo recently of my best friend Val, um, cradling my face in her hand. Mm. And I, I put the little tagline, the hand that holds all of me. Mm. And that is just like, you know, it's, it's, it's become the barometer for which I measure the other like intimate relationships in my life. It's like, do I feel held entirely in connection with you? Do I feel seen? And, and you know, that, that capacity, uh, I mean, as as folks who are deep runners like you and I, and I think everyone has the capacity to be a deep runner, but who in our you know early 20s have prioritized self-knowledge and and exploration and like learning those the the peaks and the valleys. Or I'm seeing a lot of river imagery, just the the smooth rocks and the mm-hmm. little rapids and these mm-hmm. these spaces of ourselves that. You know, I I think I used to think that self-improvement was the name of the game, Mm -hmm. but, like, self-acceptance is actually all of it. Yeah. If I can know myself and accept myself, I can love myself, even in my imperfections, and that allows me to be deeply loved by other people.
0: Yeah. Mm. And I... It makes me think so much about what you're saying of there is no... um, I'm forgetting the exact wording, but, like, there is no end point.
1: There's no arrival.
0: There's no arrival. It feels that way with self acceptance too. Mm. I always
1: feel like mm,
0: I have got I've I've accepted myself now, mm. and then something new arrives t- for me to to look at and right. be tender with and learn how to love.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's not that there's ever not going to be things about myself that I need to learn how to hold with a tender tenderness mm-hmm. and kindness towards myself, mm-hmm. but I notice that as I work that muscle and ability more, it gets easier to do. Absolutely which is so fun to see. right.
1: I was sharing with you earlier that you know I, I had this concept of myself that was baked in some really old um, ideas of like you know who I was when I was in my tw- in my teens and early 20s and then continually like looking at the evidence, of contrary action that I have Mm. in the last few years consistently taken actions that demonstrate my self-worth, my self-responsibility, my, my, my humility. Um, I don't have to live in that like polar place where for a long time, you know, I, I've heard it said I was, um, uh, the pile of shit at the center of the universe. Mm. Like I had such (laughs) little, self-worth, but I still centered uh, myself so much, mm. you know, one of the things that has been integral in my healing is, uh, a, a, a moving away from that binary thinking, especially when it comes to judgment of others and self-worth and just yeah. be like, you know, to see myself in a peer group, to see myself being one among many, you know, that's been a huge part of my personal recovery process. And it's not, it's not helpful. I mean, that is like, some old coping shit to have so little care for myself and yet be so ego driven because it is Mm -hmm. that, that polarity that, you know, keeps so many people at war with themselves. Yeah. So many folks are in their inner worlds fighting Yeah, constantly and having spent, I mean, I, I've shared it too, that like, uh, I was a spiritual seeker from a very young age. Like, I was going to churches, I tried out Judaism, eventually found Buddhism, I dabbled with, you know, paganism. I I was looking always for the answer of how to feel okay. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I tried so many traditions and things, and God knows, you know, went on my own journeys I I had my what I lovingly call my eat pray love moment you know (laughs) last year when I went to New Zealand I'm I'm sure I've stepped on people's toes and I have participated in cultural appropriation and all of those things are true um and I mean none of it really was as impactful as like self-improvement will never be as motivating as self-acceptance Never. Oh, wow. It will never be. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because, once you know, like, I don't need outside tools. I don't need traditions. I don't need, you know, Mm -hmm. God knows, yoga gear and mala beads and, God forbid, white dreadlocks. Like, to show me that I am having a spiritual experience. Yeah. To show me that uh, I am an imperfect human being with Mm -hmm. room to grow. Mm -hmm. To show me that I have strengths and I have weaknesses and I fuck up just like everybody and the skillfulness at which I can engage in repair, the skillfulness at which I can recognize the ways that I am participating, um, in these harmful systems and attempt to curb my actions. Yes. Not because I need to be some woke warrior, but because I, want to live a clean life. I want yeah. to feel, I want to not be at war with myself. And that means cleaning up my shit because yeah. I make a mess every day. You yeah. know, I go to bed with a a resentment, you know, I, I, I complain about traffic. I, you know, was short with whomever. I'm not perfect. None of us are, but the more that I like work on seeing those parts of myself, mm. accepting and, and making the changes. God, that is just, it's changed the game for me. Mm. I'm a yeah. different person yeah. than I was because I have allowed myself to be who I am. Yeah. Oh, can I say that again? I'm a different person than who I was because I have allowed myself to be who I am. God, I faked so much of my life, Brooke. Yeah. You know, we all learn to use personas. And yep. certainly that's true in corporate life and in capitalism is that we are required to compartmentalize and That's why rehumanizing and the work of Radical Dharma, which is, you know, I'm heading on their retreat tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. Uh, It's just, it's the end all be all for me. Because every single one of us has had to deny some part of ourselves, some part of our feeling capacity, some of our loyalty and allegiance to humanity in order to exist in a white supremacist society. Right. That is the truth. Like, yes, without a doubt, people of color have had the more material impact of that Mm -hmm. and the violence that they experience is unparalleled, something that I will never truly understand. And it's really important that, uh, white folks take responsibility for the work that we have to do, because I do not need to get behind a person of color in order to be a white ally. I need to do my own fucking deconstruction work Mm -hmm. and, and start with myself because if I am continuing to play out, in my actions and my belief systems, the learned internalized racism that of course, like I have growing up in the society. Uh, I'm not going to be, I'm not in formation. I'm not in solidarity with like what needs to happen with Mm -hmm. anti-racist work, especially uh, one that is balanced, you know, and that's part of why I'm so drawn to the work of radical Dharma of rehumanizing because it, it finally names that, um, you know, I've, I've existed in new age spaces. Yeah. I've existed in like radical left organizing spaces and both of them feel like they're polarized. Both yeah. of them feels like they're missing a piece of the puzzle. And I'm mm-hmm. so grateful to feel inspired by and guided by teachers who are combining those two things where yeah. there's there the radical Dharma means whole truth. And in the book, they talk about how, yes, we have tremendously different experiences, in this life, in this society has done incredibly horrible and different things to, to folks um, at different intersections. And like, still there's this truth that, you know, new age spaces sometimes focus on. We are part of the one human family. We are all connected. This is the truth. Mm -hmm. There are both of these truths at play right now in our society. And when we focus on one versus the other, we are missing such an integral part of how, uh, yeah, we can relate and experience each other. So I just get so jazzed about that work because it's, I finally see a path forward where I can relate to racial justice in a way that, um, feels like sustainable and inspired because Mm -hmm. it is based like in love and love has space for outrage too. Yeah. But to have like to be in a community of folks who um, recognize the importance of of responsibility for having access to this and want wanting deeply to um, nurture this knowledge of these are this is on us yeah this is our problem yeah it's not about uh, you know POCs being in leadership or what have you but that said I'm incredibly grateful for their skillfulness okay fan fan kid moment. Um, <laughs> Into a pause.
0: Well, I feel like this is also potent and I want to bring it back to that idea of applied mindfulness because mm-hmm. you're so brilliant and everything you're saying, I'm like over here, like trying not to, um, scream mm-hmm. yay the mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, for sake of all the listeners who don't want to hear me scream yay mm-hmm. the whole time you're speaking. Yay. 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 A light whisper. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about bridging those gaps of, um, what does it mean to to practice and grow into the, someone who can accept themselves mm. or is practicing self acceptance?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And I think also touch like having a touchstone on the fact that in my mind the world the word mindfulness can imply meditation. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has to mean that. Definitely. I'm curious what it means for you practice wise. And if that's helped you bridge those gaps mm. or if there's, um, you know,
1: multi-factor, sure. What your thoughts are there. Sure. Sure. So thank you for the question. Um, mindfulness is an attitude. Mm. Meditation is a form, mm. right? So, you uh, meditation involves a particular posture and, you know, feet on the floor, feet, you know, sits bones on contacting your seat, uh, shoulders upright and back. Like right. I teach, I teach meditation. Yeah. Uh, but, mindfulness is the the guide right mm-hmm. if um if meditation is a boat mindfulness is the river mm. and mindfulness you know is is not something you and i both learned this at the at naropa is that it doesn't start and stop on the cushion you don't yeah. have to you know live a monastic life to be mindful and quite quite the opposite i feel the whole point of mindfulness is to cultivate from my perspective uh, self-awareness and mm. not necessarily self-centeredness, not even ego detail awareness, but uh, awareness of how the self both forms uh, conceptions perhaps judgments you know um the ego is is really driven towards concrete information and like we like to think of ourselves as a solid state right Mm -hmm. like i have arrived as an identity and Mm -hmm. this is me moving in the world in this solid ego state and there's that arrival word again right totally so mindfulness is part of like is a technique um or or an attitude that helps me be aware of my constant change Mm. You know, uh, mindfulness helps me when I am mindful and I'm attuning to my inner worlds. I find movement, I find sensation, I find feeling, I find story, uh, mindfulness. I mean, yeah, there's, there's ego and, and there's, um, like composite experiences in there too, but I can use mindfulness to go through those things and to go past them. You know, it's like we were talking earlier. It's like, instead of I am angry, and I'm going to make that your responsibility that I'm projecting all this anger out. I can feel, I can use mindfulness to feel tension in my chest Yeah. and to, and to be able to communicate. I feel this sensation in my body. Mm-hmm. I feel frightened. I want to hide. I want, I, I, I am unsure about how to handle the situation. My, my instinct is to lash out. Do you hear how completely different those attitudes mm-hmm. are? And that when I am able to articulate my experience through that lens, it gives a person a chance to see this is a feeling that is going to pass. Mm-hmm. This is a person who is responsible for their feelings yep. and I can see them changing through this process. It gives a chance to build like uh, trust and, yeah. and relationship with yeah. two autonomous beings who are in their changing states present together
0: yeah i know i feel incredibly safe around another person emotionally when they can separate themselves from what they're feeling and do that articulation of like um not even uh, both and of the anger being um you know i'm feeling a rumbling in my chest or i'm feeling pinpricks all over my heart or being able to articulate the the sense they'd experience but also to say to do to articulate it not from the anger, but from their being about the anger, right, or you know, insert whatever emotion here, it's right. not just to say anger, but um, that's even for me has been so powerful with working with anxiety mm-hmm to notice that in the past couple of years, I feel like times when I'm experiencing anxiety, it's become less about there's like the baseline of I'm experiencing anxiety, and then there's anxiety that I'm experiencing anxiety,
1: mm-hmm. Right. So then there's
0: two things happening yes. that are, that can spiral. Totally. But if I can feel the first one and just be like, Oh, okay. I'm currently feeling anxiety. Let me notice that mm-hmm. versus the noticing it. The part that, of me that's able to watch myself being completely consumed and right. not available. Right. Turns it from a workable situation to like panic.
1: Yes. And not
0: to shame the spiral cause it happens. Uh-huh. Um, and that, is something to learn from and work with too Man. but just to be able to separate those things out and and work with speaking
1: about the emotion instead of from the emotion has been a fucking game changer mm, for me. Totally, Buddhists call that the suffering of suffering. Right? Yes. You, you have suffering, and then you're suffering because you're suffering, and it's like it, ad infinitum. It can yeah. just continues. Yes. Yeah, that's the spiral.
0: Yeah, and then I feel mad that I'm have anxiety about my anxiety, and then oh. I'm scared because I have anxiety, but my fear about my anxiety.
1: Like it's <laughs> just like brrr, right. Like, and can you, hole. can you hear all of the story and all of oh. the ego and all of the composite experience? Just like bang, 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 bang. Here's yeah. all my fears about how I'm not okay in the world and yes. how I, no one's gonna love me and Everything just can come out in that, right? Whereas instead, if I say, I feel pinpricks on my neck or my throat is tightening or I'm sweating and I don't know why, Mm -hmm. that gives you a chance to see how your body and your, your autonomic nervous system is actually responding to the experience, giving you information about ways that you need to handle you know, even for like, I'll speak for myself, like I get information from my body about how I need to respond in the world. And when I can be with my embodied experience and feel the arising and the falling, like that gives me a chance Mm -hmm. to be, it's like, Oh, actually my body is working this shit out. And especially if I take corrective action to like give myself what I need to either leave a situation or Mm -hmm. speak an uncomfortable thing or, you know, whatever it might be then I'm much closer to the experience. I'm much closer to the change actually occurring. Yeah. And I'm not trapped in the the story spiral. Yeah. Because I can feel the change happening.
0: And I feel like this goes back to the question I asked you of of bridging that gaps of actually learning to accept ourselves is like taking that corrective action, I feel like shows us, shows our own being, Mm -hmm. that we have integrity and value ourselves.
1: Yes.
0: I'm going to do the uncomfortable thing for you, Brooke. This is Brooke speaking about Brooke in the third person officially. Do it. But it's like... um, okay, Brooke, I'm here with you. I see you. I know it's going to be so hard to say this uncomfortable thing, but I also know if I don't say it, mm-hmm. you're not getting a need met. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and do that uncomfortable thing. I got us. I trust us. I love you. Right. Here's the uncomfortable
1: oh thing. my god, yes. Check in with it later. Okay. We did the uncomfortable thing. How are we feeling? Yeah. Bridging those gaps. Looking at evidence over six months, a year of yes. I showed up for myself. Yeah. I did the hard thing. I am actually capable of going through these things yeah. and having that little list of of experiences where you you know I know for myself like I showed I was taught from a young age from our society from my family system to check out mm-hmm. you know don't worry about it like mm-hmm. not your problem all that stuff even myself and my own feelings were wh- whose problem were they I don't know nobody's they didn't, <laughs> they, didn't they didn't matter yeah
0: right? yeah
1: um and like mm in case anyone from a family is listening to this, I doubt it, but like love and respect to all of you. No hard feelings. Um, <laughs> we all have to learn, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the experience. This is all to say what a gift it is to have that experience of, I didn't know if I could show up for myself. And when I, the older I get, the more that I can look back on those experiences mm-hmm. and say, wow, I did the hard thing and mm. I'm living closer and closer to an authentic experience that I can have what we talked about earlier, fulfillment, Mm. right? So much of my life has been spent looking for peace Mm. and you know, it's like what, what's going to give it to me? What external thing do I need? A degree? Do I need a relationship? Do I need a job? Do I need a spiritual awakening? Do I need a religion? You know, do I need a new country? I have asked all of those questions and banged my head up against all of those walls. Mm. I have, I have bled my friend trying to find peace in all of those places. Yeah. It was nowhere else but in self-acceptance mm. truly and like doing the work to learn how to continuing to do the work, committing to the work yeah. of trying it out, making a mess, cleaning it up, trying again, letting love lead me in all things, you know, and like also chop wood, carry water, like show up for my job. clean, scrub the toilet, take out the trash. Like that shit doesn't stop. And that's part of applied mindfulness too. You know, it's, it's easy to feel like those things are beneath spiritual pursuits or that spiritual Mm. pursuits are separate from them. Or, you know, I had a period, um, shortly before my mom passed where I was like, do I need to become a nun? Like, Mm -hmm. do I need to, is that what the next step of my spiritual process is? Like, do I need to go into seclusion? Yeah. Is that what devotion means? And I was at a talk on classism recently and someone's offered the invitation that instead of saying, What do you do for work to ask when meeting someone, what are you devoted to? Mm. Because that speaks so much more truly to mm. the caliber of our person and our potential and our our capacity, mm. you know, um and that's, you know, that's one of the things that i'm I'm so excited to be seeing more of the the interminglings of radical leftist spaces and new age spaces coming together because, like, the world is burning. Yeah. Humans are fucking up in a big way. We have yeah. caused a lot of destruction and harm. And when I look to the future, my my the thing that I am that I wonder the most about is are we going to be capable of seeing ourselves? Yeah. Are are we as a society willing and capable of looking at the harm that we've done, taking accountability for it, mm-hmm. taking corrective action? Because, you know, how many scientists have said there's, there, we need no more data to prove climate change is real. What we need is cultural leaders. Yeah. What we need is people who inspire yeah. and can bring that and bring the integrity and the courage to look at ourselves, look at the shit we've done. Yeah. Make repairs.
0: It feels like our culture as a society, when I say our culture, I mean Western United States, yeah. um, the places that you and I occupy. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like our culture some people in our culture have the ability to look back and reflectively say, Oh, that was a fuck up Uh personally or culturally culturally.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think what we're lacking is a bigger cultural awareness. Or like you said, cultural leadership of noticing that right now,
1: Mm. noticing
0: where we're fucking up and cleaning it up right now. Mm -hmm. So like you and I are talking about that on a personal level. And I know you are a leader in so many ways and thank fucking God you are because we need you. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I agree with you. That we're lacking leaders who have that applied aware- applied mindfulness, applied awareness, whatever you want to say, of right. the present, the ways we're presently fucking up. And it's apparent to a lot of people. Um, but I feel like we're lacking the leadership we need around that um, mm-hmm. in a in a large in a large way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just makes me think of like the the ways that the ways that culture can be reflective versus present. I was recently watching um, Aziz Ansari's most recent stand-up. Hmm. I can't remember what it's called, but it's very fabulous. It's on Netflix and I would highly encourage everyone to watch it. Hmm. But he talks about how um, in reflection he can notice ways in which he's fucked up and he's like, we, he's like the hope is that your own grandkids come to you and say hey, weren't you alive when there was like thousands of homeless people across the United States and you were just walking by them and ignoring them? What the fuck were you doing there? He's like He's like you. You wonder what are we not seeing right now that a hundred years from now is going to be a no brainer. Mm. And I thought that was so brilliant. It's like we need those voices and those leaders
1: who are noticing what's not okay right now mm-hmm. and taking action on that now. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something you know. It's it's easy to be outraged. Uh, I think. I mean, anger is a natural uh, thing to feel in this time in humanity. If you're, yeah. and and very often, you know, I talk to folks who are experiencing anger. Um, underneath anger, there's often fear and sadness Mm -hmm. and underneath fear and sadness, there is love. And Mm. I, you know, that's not to say that anger is invalid and that love should be prioritized exclusively, but I think it's very important to have an awareness of all of that, that scope that like, if I'm motivated by love, then I can be in my anger sustainably. Anger is a fire that burns hot and fast. It's, it's impossible for our bodies to be at level 10 activation all the time. Yep. And, you know, that's why part of why we see so much burnout in activist spaces is like, if you don't have a grounding in what you're deeply spiritually motivated towards, um, that can be really hard to stay at. I think um, something else that came up when I was listening to you talk about leadership is like, where humility, I think Mm -hmm. something that is really important in my perspective is that leadership often means persona. You know, I think about, like, President Obama and these people who are just like, you know, could Obama say I fucked up in this way and take ownership of it in a given day? Probably. Probably he could. But is he someone who feels accessible and human? Is he someone who is, like, um, or, you know, I mean, in my own experience, like, I especially as a white person, like I need to be able to look at and reflect and have community that has the capacity to reflect with me and help shape my accountability. um, The ways in which I am continuing to learn, right? Like we look at so many of our leaders uh, uh, somewhat by necessity have this public persona of arrival. Yeah. And I want to see leaders who are kind of messy. I want to see leaders who are, still trying to figure it out and courageous enough to show up in the unknown. And that's part of that capacity to experience discomfort that we talked about earlier. Yes. So often when we experience discomfort, we, we want, we, and we have every opportunity to distract and turn away from it. Yeah. But discomfort is an invitation to engage and to grow. And God knows we as a society, uh, and as, as a culture here in, you know, like occupied turtle Island in the United States, we have a lot of room to grow. We are, we are causing harm a lot. Our society is really fucking toxic mm-hmm. in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And that violence plays out day in and day out. It can be overwhelming. We have to start with ourselves. And to see that um, learning our... Being being willing to get to know ourselves. To, to have that increase in the capacity to feel. Sometimes I hear uh, people say shit like... Um, oh, I'm a bad person or don't, you know, there's no hope or things like that. And they're couched in, in, in laughter, you know, as if mm-hmm, it's a joke mm-hmm. and that stuff bugs me, mm-hmm. you know, I try not to let it show too often, but, um, because I need a sustain in capitalism. So real talk. And, uh, <laughs> I, I can't help but hear the sadness and the pain underneath yeah. that. I can't help but hear the excuses that were made to make for how will we suck as people and how yeah. we're just going to fail. Yeah. And I refuse to believe that that is all that we're capable of as a yeah. people. I have seen way too much love, way too much uh, dedication and loyalty to life Yeah. to believe that that is where we fall.
0: I would agree. I would say that the proof that feels most resonant to me is when I see leaders that aren't at their arrival Mm -hmm. and that are willing to fuck up. Mm -hmm. And when I have people in my very community like you and my other friends Uh who are willing to genuinely reflect with me. And this is such a sidebar, but even like having friends and spaces in my life and places in my community where I can go and bring a query Mm. and not just have people who are cheering me on and saying yes to me, but who are willing to point me out when I'm wrong or point Me in a different direction when it seems like I'm falling out of my integrity, right? Willing to genuinely engage in these hard discussions with me, yeah. That feels like the proof in the pudding of like humanity feels very beautiful and very possible
1: to mm, me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes. That, that interpersonal capacity to, um, I mean, trust someone with a hard question, right? Yeah, like you were talking earlier about someone who puts um, bows on, on things. And I know that I have done that a lot in my life of like, Oh, well, here's the cool little summary for Instagram of how my life is, (laughs) you know, like how do I button this up and present it in a way that is consumable for Mm -hmm. one thing, because we're taught to be basically machine products. Yeah. Uh, but wow, to be, um, to be in the mess and to, to have folks that are, uh, you know, figuring it out and just normalizing. It's like, yeah, this is a hard thing. Yeah. This is several layers of hard things Yes, to be present, to be loving, to be curious, to be self-aware in this time in our world. Yep. Uh, it doesn't always make sense, but it is the only place to start. Yeah. And we need support. You're right. Yeah. So Delta,
0: this has been so fabulous. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you have any last thoughts that you want to share with people about applied mindfulness.
1: Hmm. <sighs> I feel like the connection of applied mindfulness and radical gentleness and self acceptance, um, just sort of are conspiring in my heart space it feels like a big warm jelly. Mm. Um Uh the invitation being Hi, listeners. I'm going to talk directly to you now. Um, my invitation to you is to, in this moment, recognize a part of yourself that you struggle with, a part of your personality or behaviors or the, the cards that you were dealt in this life, and to take a breath and invite yourself to soften a bit to that reality. Just, Just soften if you want... I like to breathe and soften and lengthen and try and relax into it Mm. to see and to feel that experience of yourself where we, where we fight ourselves where we are hostile and harsh. And that's not to say that there's not room to grow or we can't do better, but that to soften into these places, to know them, to feel the the crannies and the crooks and the peaks, this sometimes rough and jagged form of our Mm. experience. Uh, That is totally the first step into healing. That is totally the first step into change. That is absolutely the first step into being able to to heal and to share that with other people. Mm -hmm. I know there are so many people in the world, especially in Boulder, who like to think of themselves as healers Mm -hmm. and with healing, we have to start with ourselves.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Can I end by asking you a question?
1: Definitely. What does radical gentleness mean to you? Well, the chills up my legs and arms are telling me that uh, radical gentleness has to do with aliveness and that, that really that softness of like, uh, there is so much in the world that teaches me to be hard, that asks me to be hard, that I Mm. perform being hard for. (laughs) Yes,, <laughs> um, and sorry, I had to. <laughs> um, to be soft with myself is a radical act. And mm-hmm. to be gentle with myself uh, is 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 love it's te- it teaches me, and you know, like this might not be everyone's experience, but um i I believe that we are more connected than we are separate. And I believe in a, a, a unifying spirit of life, right? I have an allegiance to life as a whole. And I recognize that life is more mysterious than I will ever understand. Mm. That's why it is my higher power. It is a power that is bigger and, and higher than me. The mysterious complexities and incarnations of life. Radical gentleness for me means being in acceptance that I am a little baby sprout. Mm. in this incredibly complex ecosystem of life and that i am a part of all of it i am not separate that our society would teach us i do you know my fears around isolation and unworthiness are unfounded i am deeply connected to this world and to life i belong here and so do you mm.
0: what a great note to close on Also, you know I love sprouts.
1: I love your little sprout ski.
0: I have a little sprout tattoo over my heart for those who...
1: And you dropped some microgreens in there at breakfast earlier. Oh, I did, yeah. (laughs)
0: Dahl and I were eating breakfast together, and I dropped a sprout right next to my tattoo of sprout.
1: It was great. It was great. I loved it.
0: Delta, thank you so much. Brooke, it's
1: totally a privilege. Thank you. This
0: has been really wonderful.
1: Mm, I love you. I love you. (laughs) Uh, Can't wait to see where you grow. Mm. Mmm.
0: Bye, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Until next time, be radically gentle.